Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ask Geeks podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and thank you for joining us on this early, early Monday morning. As you can see how I talked about how we're going to start doing these daily uploads and everything, we're still trying to figure out how we want to do that. I was said in the beginning, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to do it on weekends, count weekends, or it's going to be just Monday through Friday. So it was decided because I was like, mm, yesterday I was like, nah, not doing it. So, and plus it's like, it kind of, I feel like it's going to get repetitive if we do it every single day. So we're going to do Monday through Friday. We don't know if we're going to do the NBA episode every day. I think I'm going to do uh, Monday morning, Wednesday, Friday. Maybe for the NBA episode, we might do a Monday just to get a recap of the NBA, you know, for the weekend. A Wednesday episode, get a recap of the days, a couple days before. And then a Friday episode to end the week. Look at games we're looking forward to this weekend and things like that. Um, We're going to leave Saturdays for spells and his boxing and fight night episodes. Might do something like bring in Weeb Wednesday night on a Wednesday back for Thursdays. And then on Tuesdays, we might just bring something else. Um, I have to think of another topic. We might bring back some of those uh, NBA redrafts. Maybe go into something else. But I like to leave the NBA redrafts for outside of the NBA season. So we might have to think of something else to go in regards to that. But we'll figure it out. But again, thank you guys for tuning in on this Monday morning. We had a lot of games this weekend. A lot, a lot, a lot of games. Um, obviously, I can't cover them all. So there's just a few games that I want to touch on. First game being, yo, what's up with the Bulls? Why, why do the Bulls struggle against, like, the top teams in the NBA? I think I saw they're, like, 1-7 or 1-8 against, like, top five teams in the conference or like top 10 teams in the NBA, they are beating up on the, they're winning the games they're supposed to win. They're beating up on the bad teams, the mediocre teams, the, the middle of the pack teams. Many times it comes into a good team. They struggle. And I'm not sure what it is because if you go back and watch the game, you're like, okay, they're playing well. Actually, I kind of do know it. It's the defense. They're missing a lot defensively. But they look good off. It's like I would expect DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine to be able to carry them offensively enough. But then again, DeMar DeRozan had that hot streak. He's kind of came back down to earth since he started off. Well, since he came back with that, uh, what was it, seven or eight 35-point games in a row. He's kind of came back down to earth. That game he had 29 points, but he shot 11 for 30 shooting. 29 points on 30 shots, very, very bad. Didn't get to the free throw line too much, only he got to the free throw line five times. Zach Levine had 30. He shot pretty efficiently. Uh, Vucevic chipped in 19 as well. But that was basically it. Nobody else really gave much more on the offensive end. Um, you had Desumu. He brought in. He led them in assists. He did. He's been. He stepped in that point guard role. He's playing all right. He's doing solid defensively. He's scoring here and there. But he had eight, five, and seven. So he had a pretty good game. But then you didn't really get much more. Kobe White struggled. He played 23 minutes, only had three points. Um, you're not really expecting Derrick Jones Jr. to sh- sh- um, and score a lot. 
They also had uh, Tristan Thompson starting this game, which was very, very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Um, so they ran the two big lineups. They only ran nine players. And, I mean, the others, like Troy Brown Jr. and Derrick Jones Jr. didn't get a crazy amount of minutes. So they really relied on their starters a lot this game. I mean, I understand because they're getting ready for playoff basketball, but this isn't going to be your normal rotation, especially when Caruso and uh, Lonzo come back. So they might as well just experiment with the roster. They're obviously still struggling with health, but every team is. We know that. I'm not trying to give them an excuse, but the Chicago Bulls are struggling with health. Lonzo is a very important part, and people acknowledge that. A lot of people aren't acknowledging the Caruso factor as much as they should because what Caruso brings is a lot. Caruso brings a lot on that defensive end, a lot of energy, a lot of hustle, and it's very, very important. On the other side, you had Giannis just have a spectacular game. He had 34, 16, and 5. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday both had 20-plus Um Drew Holiday was going crazy at the end. He hit a couple big shots, and it just it was it was just tough. It was, it was it's a tough loss, um, a tough loss for the Chicago Bulls. They had a little interaction and altercation between Grayson Allen and uh, Derrick Jones Jr. because Derrick Jones Jr. Uh, accidentally elbowed him in the face. He was trying to say he wasn't a double dirty player. You had all the stuff at the beginning of the game where Tristan Thompson was talking like Grayson Allen better not do any of these things or he's going to have to answer to him. Tristan Thompson is not that good at basketball anymore, so he's basically there, you know, to do the little things, get a couple rebounds, be the tough guy role. So he was just trying to endorse that and play that. Nothing happened, obviously, other than Derrick Jones Jr. Um, hitting him in the face, but he's claimed it was an accident. Outside of that, nothing really happened too much in that game. Um, the next game I wanted to speak on after that was the Pelicans and the Jazz. Now, this one caught me off guard. I was not expecting this game. The Pelicans are sneakily good, and they're getting really, really good. They had... They they contained Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell only had 14 points, which is not a Donovan Mitchell night. Because Donovan Mitchell, the numbers might not show it all together, but Donovan Mitchell is one of the best scorers in the NBA. He's easily one of the best scorers in the NBA. And holding him to 14 points is pretty crazy. He shot 5 of 18, 3 for 11 from 3. He only shot two free throws in that game, and they just... They had him in solitary confinement. There's not much that Donovan Mitchell could do that game. Um, the Utah Jazz have one of the best offenses in the league. I know they are recognized for their defense, but they also have one of the best offenses in the league. And a lot of that goes through Donovan Mitchell because of how good of a scorer he is and how much gravity he pulls to where he can, you know, facilitate, get some hockey assists to his teammates. And they, like I said, they go as he goes usually on the offensive end. So when he struggles like that, it kind of, you see it reflecting the rest of the team. Mike Conley went one for eight. You have Bogdanovich had went one for 11. Uh, it wasn't really much. And those are your three top scorers. So I was like, who else do we lean on after this? Um, nobody, nobody really Donovan Mitchell, like I said, Donovan Mitchell was the leading scorer with 14 points. Nobody had over 
15 points this game. Rudy Gobert had 10 and 11, but you're not expecting him to bring any offense. You're expecting him to bring defense, but they weren't they weren't worried about it. the Pelicans were attacking. The Pelicans weren't weren't worried about them at all, and they had the firepower. Brandon Ingram is still. No one's talking about Brandon Ingram, and I understand it's because he's in New Orleans. But Brandon Ingram is going crazy. That man, I know a lot of people are like, oh, the Kevin Durant comparisons, the Kevin Durant comparisons early on. And you could, like, you saw them, but at the same time, you're like, not really and everything because he's not as good of a shooter, all these things. But Brandon Ingram has been crazy efficient. Crazy, crazy efficient. Everybody was talking about the uh, Stephen Adams move and the bringing Valanciunas to open up space for Zion, but it really opened up a ton of space for Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram, they try. Like I know they try. Like I said the KD comparisons. They, I know Jason got in Africa, but people compared them to because they're both, you know, they're tall, they're skinny, they can score at will. They're scorers. But Brandon Ingram is not the three-point shooter, KD and Tatum are. He's, he likes to get, operate in the mid-range. He, he likes to slash and attack. And with Steven Adams there and having him and Zion there, it kind of made Brandon Ingram's life a lot tougher. And now without Steven Adams there, you can, you've been, we've been seeing Brandon Ingram go crazy. But again, you know how things go with the media. Zion hasn't been there, and Zion's taken all the attention away to where you're not noticing how good Brandon Ingram really has been playing. Like he had, like I said, he had 29. He only missed five shots. CJ McCollum came in there, had added 24. Um, I think this is this was their fourth straight win. They have been really, really, really good. Herb Jones was really good. I know the box score doesn't necessarily say he played too well, but he played really well defensively. He doesn't have to score the ball. He's still there in the right place at the right time. And I know that's like the little, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. But if you watch the game, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Where like He's where he's supposed to be, even if the shots don't fall, or he's where he's supposed to be to still make plays without scoring the ball. So I really like that. I'm I'm still liking seeing this double big lineup with Jackson Hayes and Valanchunas. And it's just, hey, the Pelicans have been beating good teams. And the Bel- Pelicans have been hot. And the Jazz are supposed to be one of the top teams in the NBA. So going against the Jazz, without them missing anybody really crucial, and coming out there with a win, I mean, that's the reason I wanted to talk about them. Cause that's a that's a pretty big win for the Pelicans. And then next, I want to talk about the Heat 76ers. Man, this game, this game was a defensive battle. And, of course, that's what you expect from the Miami Heat. Neither team scored over 100 points this game, which is just so crazy to me in the NBA today. Um, the Heat remained on top they're 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 remaining on top of the eastern conference like i said i still don't respect the miami as a true title contender and y'all can keep your opinion y'all mean y'all can have opinions for yourselves and y'all can let me know how you feel but i don't feel like the heat are true contenders even with a win like this this was a tough win the 76ers were missing james harden however but they made Embiid work uh, the scheme they ran though today wouldn't have worked if James Harden's there because there was a lot of times they sent double teams to Embiid the entire time. If Embiid touched the ball, he had 
two people on him, three people on him. At all times, Embiid was under pressure. Embiid always had somebody around him. He had multiple bodies around him, which is what you're supposed to do with a player of Embiid's caliber. Uh, Tobias Harris struggled too. Ooh, he shot six for 15. If Tobias Harris plays better when Embiid makes a, because it's hard when you make, you're getting double team, triple team, you make the correct pass and your teammates can't convert. So Tobias Harris struggling hurt him. Maxi played pretty well. He he still he only had 17 points. Um, he didn't really bring in the playmaking or anything like that, but he still played pretty well. Matisse Thibel, you're not expecting him to score any. So when you have him on the court, and of course you're not really expecting him to bring in more than like five points a game. He didn't score this game. Court Mars didn't really score. Nobody on the bench really like brought anything to the table. So when Embiid struggles like this, he still had 22 and 15, but shooting four for 15 and basically getting all his points from the free throw line. Miami, he will take that. But in a seven-game series with James Harden there, I just can't really give that to him because the second they try to double-team Embiid, they're kicking it to Harden, and then they're, you're, pl- you're having James Harden, one of the best playmakers in the NBA, and one of the best scorers in the NBA, play four on three against the other team. Like, you don't want James Harden playing four on three against your team. So, it's kind of like pick your poison. You can't double Harden and double Embiid. So, that's why I kind of really, I see that. I see the defense going right there with the double and triple teams. But I just can't really respect it, especially without, like I said, a true number, a true bucket get a true number one where that just can go and in the playoffs, I feel like that's where the stars are made. And when the defense is kicking in like that, they have Embiid and Harden, who one of them can get you, or both of them can go get you 30. The Heat don't really have a guy like that. Like, Tyler Hero can do it, but I don't know what the consistency is with Tyler Hero to where he can just consistently go get 30 as a number one option. Jimmy Butler's not a number one option scoring-wise. He brings you all the intangibles. He's a good number two scoring-wise, but as far as number one, I can't really see Jimmy Butler doing that. He had 21 tonight, also shot poorly with 6 or 15, but we've seen it before with Jimmy Butler. You put a bigger body on them that can move their feet, and Jimmy Butler struggles. And that's probably what they're going to do in a seven-game series. Bam, he also struggled offensively. But like I said, he played solid defense. They were doing the double-triple. He played his role well in that. Gabe Vincent looks good, though. That is who Gabe Vincent, he was going crazy. Gabe Vincent was hitting the shots he was supposed to. Tyler Hero has consistently been going crazy. That's that six-man of the year. He's averaging 20 a game. He got 21 this game. And... This was just tough. This is this is it, it 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 moves like I said, it moves the 76ers to I believe this game made not 76. This game made the Miami Heat three games ahead of first. Like like who it, it created a lot of separation. Three games ahead of them. Um the Eastern Conference is getting interesting. The standings are getting very, very interesting right now. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it right now because I said Miami is three games ahead. They got um they are forty three wins right now. Phillies at thirty nine wins. Milwaukee's at forty wins, and Chicago's at thirty nine. Boston at thirty nine. Everybody's right there, neck and neck and neck. And it's just really really interesting. I'm ready. I want to see. I don't know how bad again the Miami he want this number one seed because how it looks right now, if they get this number one seed, they're more than likely playing Brooklyn in the first round. And I know people are going to say, oh, we're not scared of nobody, blah, blah, blah. 
You don't want to see KD first round. You don't want to see Kai first round. I'm telling you that right now. Regardless of heat culture or anything, y'all don't want to see them first round. But we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. And we are back. So, over the break, I was looking at some of the other games I wanted to discuss real quick. And I had a lot more games to discuss, but then I started looking at it and I was like, hmm, some of these games are reaches and I really don't feel like discussing because it's like, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I don't feel like talking about the Knicks and Clippers games. I don't feel like talking about the Utah OKC games. Indiana, Washington, as interesting as those games are, I don't really feel like those need to get discussed right now because we feel, I feel like I want to spend more time on these other games right here. We had another game I just want to briefly touch on. We had the Phoenix game winner with Cam Johnson. That was tough. But the game I want to discuss right now happened last night. We're going to go out of order a little bit because... I know a lot of people are being a lot of people don't feel like he should be in consideration for MVP and a lot of people feel like he should be and it's just going back and forth with this Ja Morant MVP number like top point guard in the league and everything and I feel like he is. Um I don't feel like people realize what Ja's doing. I know a lot of people are like, oh, blah, 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 he's flashy. All these other people are putting up numbers. All these other people are doing X, Y, and Z, and they're not getting as much coverage. And I'm like, whether people like it or not, winning plays a huge part into MVP. There's the winning um, factor. There's the narrative factor. And there's numbers. And Jaw has all three right now. If you look at any of the other top MVP candidates they don't necessarily have all of those here like okay Joel Embiid Joel Embiid does have and he had a narrative because he's like Ben Simmons isn't there he had great numbers and they're number two in the east however with them even with them being number two in the east their team is not winning as much as the Memphis Grizzlies they're number two in the east with 39 wins while the Grizzlies are number two in the west with 44 wins um so there's that they 
have a 66.7% uh, win percentage, where the 76ers have a 61.9% win percentage. Yeah, okay, you see that. You have Giannis, and oh, oh going back to Embiid, Embiid doesn't really necessarily have that narrative around him anymore, that, that Harden is there. Without uh, Ben Simmons there, there was that narrative that he's doing all this with no help, he's doing X, Y, and Z. Now that you have Harden there, that kind of that's gonna whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, that's gonna take a couple votes away slowly because Harden's gonna be playing so well that everybody's gonna be like, okay, blah blah. Harden can be up there too, and we already we know how the game goes. A couple of those votes are gonna get taken away just for having additional help, which isn't fair, but it is going to happen. Next, you have the Giannis one. Giannis also third in the East with forty wins. You still have he, so he has the wins factor. Not as many wins as the Grizzlies. The narrative he doesn't have the narrative either because people aren't really caring about Giannis this year. Nobody's really covering Giannis. People aren't really worried about Giannis because the Giannis narrative, you know, voter fatigue. They're like he already has two MVPs. He just won a championship. We covered him all this time, and he's not doing nothing necessarily new. He's doing what Giannis does, which is dominate, which so I don't understand why people are like, ah, we've already seen that, been there, done that, and they don't want to appreciate what he's doing because they're making it seem like it's just easy to do. It's so easy. Why aren't everybody else doing it? But that's neither here nor there. So he's not going to get um, as much recognition, as many votes as he should because of voters fatigue. We've seen the Jokic disrespect go on the, throughout the entire year because for some reason – People don't want a foreign star. People don't respect Jokic's games because Jokic's game isn't sexy. Jokic's game isn't doing things. Like, like I said, you have to have the narrative, and he won MVP last year. A lot of people don't think he deserved MVP last year, which is ridiculous, but he did. He won MVP last year, so doesn't fit their narrative. He doesn't necessarily have the most wins because right now the Nuggets are sitting in sixth in the West, albeit with no help. His number two is gone. His number three is gone. And he doesn't really have anybody else stepping up with him. While, yeah, he's still carrying this franchise. He's still playing crazy. You know the whole argument. If you look up any events that Jokic is at the top of it, or at least top three, um, offensively and defensively, even though his defense isn't what a lot of people, a lot of people say he's not the best defensively, which he's not. But analytically wise, he does look pretty competent and he does fare well on the defensive side but he doesn't have like I said he doesn't have the narrative and the wins and the sexy play to where he can bump up jaw like jaw will give you multiple highlights throughout the throughout a game you'll have he'll have multiple Twitter clips going crazy when they talk about him on ESPN FS1 whatever they talk about him on in the morning you're going to see a bunch of jaw clips, whether it be 360 layups, crazy dunks, alley-oops, flashy passes. And in Jokic, you're really only seeing like a flashy pass here and there. Giannis, you're seeing a nice dunk. Embiid, you're seeing some nice footwork, a nice dunk, but you're not seeing all of it where jaw has that whole flair. So he kind of gets that side too. And then you got the uh, the next person, uh, Steph Curry. You're like, okay, what about Steph? Steph's doing this. And even though Steph isn't in his slump anymore and he's not playing as bad as people try to make it seem, um, he did have that slump, and that hurt his chances a lot. And depending on where the Golden State Warriors finish right now, 
your Grizzlies overtook them for a second. But then I think the Warriors jumped them back because of the Grizzlies' loss. So depending on where those two fit right there, Jaw more than likely will get the nod over Steph because of, well, one, people are talking about Steph down here. And two, they're going to say Jaw did it with less help. And with the Jaw D-Rose comparisons, Jaw's their new favorite player and everything like that. So I can see him getting that nod there as well. Um, last person I want to talk about is Luca, and Luca has the numbers, but Luca is—he's not the—it's like the media got their new toy in John. They're like, we don't want to play with you. You know the whole Toy Story. I mean, I don't want to play with you anymore. That's how they basically treating Luca. Even though Luca has been playing crazy, the Mavs have been looking good. They're fifth in the West, but like I said. He's not getting the media coverage as Jaw. He's not getting any of those other things like Jaw. So I can see as much as people are like, oh, he doesn't deserve it. The argument can be made that Jaw deserves it. A top three team in the NBA, top maybe top two, crazy numbers, averaging 28 points a game, and leading a team that has no business being this high, even if it's just a regular season, the MVP is a regular season award, leading a team this far like this on this story. He has the narrative. He has the media backing. I would be surprised if Ja doesn't finish at least top two, barring any injury, barring any crazy finish to the, um, the regular season. I don't see why Ja wouldn't finish at least top two. There's not many people. I know there's other people that I would argue should get it over him. But when you just look at the history of the MVP and the criteria they need to meet, uh, I don't really see John not finishing. And I don't see John not getting it, honestly. And at worst, finishing top two. Like I said, barring anything crazy going on or anything like that, I just can't see that happening. Um, I say all this to go back, and I'm not trying to nitpick his games or anything, but. I know this is what fan bases do, and especially last night, you saw a lot of people slandering Jaw like, oh, they boxed Jaw in. They lost to the Rockets. That's a poor team. They're they're not playing well anymore, blah, 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 X, Y, and Z. And it's kind of like, come on now, people have bad games. People, people are going to change the narrative, and they're going to move depending on who they're arguing for. If they were arguing for Steph Curry to win MVP, they're going to try to ignore those bad games he had. If they're going to try to argue for Giannis to win MVP, they're going to ignore the slow start uh, Milwaukee had at the beginning of the year. They're going to ignore um, what's called Joel and B struggling for a little bit. It wasn't much, but they're going to argue that Joel and B struggling for They're not going to argue for Joel and B struggling much. It's going to be things like that. They're going to argue for, depending on who you want, your argument is going to change. It's never going to be a consistent argument. People need to stop having this recency bias to where it's like, oh, player X had a great game one game, so now he's X, Y, and Z. Player whatever had a bad game, so now they're all the way at the back. And I get it with, like, joking around, but there's a lot of people that be serious with it. Like, you're going to see me. Anytime you see the Celtics play and anybody on my team plays great, I'm going to say they're the greatest player ever. Obviously, I don't really mean that, like how some of these other people are like, oh, they're going to use that in the argument. I'm not going to actually use the argument. I'm not going to be like, oh, Marcus Smart had a 20-point double-double a few games ago. Oh, yeah, he's a top-10 point guard in the league. Like, nobody says that. 
Nobody's going to say that. Come on now. Jason Tatum went crazy. Oh, he's the best player in the league. Nobody's going to truly say that. So, uh, yeah, but going back into the Grizzlies-Rockets game, uh, Jaw played poorly. He still came away with 22 points. He shot 7 of 20, though. He didn't hit any threes. He didn't look too good. Uh, the Rockets kind of packed the paint. Josh jump shot wasn't falling, and with them packing the paint, him trying to hit those contested tough shots, he's a tough, like, paint shot maker, tough layup maker, tough inside the arc scorer, and not sometimes those shots just don't fall, and there's not much you can do about it. Uh, You had Desmond Bain go crazy with a 28-point game. He looked really good, hit four threes. Steven Adams was the one that surprised me. Steven Adams came out here with a 23-point double. Double? Three blocks. He looked really good, and I was really a fan of that. But um, in a game like this, this isn't going to happen often. You had the Rockets come out with three 20-point game scores. Uh, you had Christian Wood and Kevin Porter almost dropped 30. Christian Wood had 28. Kevin Porter Jr. had 29. Jalen Green had 24. They looked really good, and they were just they were, the young guns were just dominating this game. And offensively, they just there was nothing they that the Grizzlies could do to match them or stop them defensively. Like, the Rockets played really well. You just have to give them your flowers. Like, sometimes, some games, a team's just going to go crazy, catch fire, and there's nothing you can do about it. And if your shot's not falling that game, it's just not your night, and it is their night, and it's that's all there is to it. We don't need to put too much hype into one game. I saw a lot of people putting a lot of hype into this one game. We don't need to put too much hype in this one game, and we'll even just move on past that. Um, next, I want to talk about Yoke is going crazy in a 46-point triple. Double. Man, Yoke is just so, man, Yoke is just so good at basketball. He's very, very good at basketball. And I know people, you know what's crazy to me? I saw that Yoke had a 40-point triple-double, and they were posting about it. I think it was like NBA on ESPN was posting about it. And people were in the comment section hating on this man. How are you hating on a 40-point triple-double? They were like, oh, but it took him five quarters to do it. Who the hell cares? It's a 40-point triple-double from a center. Come on. From the reigning MVP, he put in four blocks. He only missed six shots. He shot 72% from the field. He went crazy. 72, 60, 91 splits. Are you kidding me right now? That man went crazy like that. And y'all are trying to talk about, oh, blah, blah, blah. Took him five quarters. He ain't got Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray out there. Yes, Aaron Gordon went crazy and had 28. But it wasn't off any jump shots or any threes. It wasn't like Aaron Gordon was creating for himself. A lot of those were cuts. Backdoor uh, lobs, some like gimme putbacks and everything. It wasn't like Aaron Gordon was creating for him. So you don't look at Aaron Gordon to create for himself. Yes, you have Morris also chipping 18, but come on now. Y'all gotta stop it. Y'all gotta, man, I can't understand why people watch basketball like this to hate. How are you watching basketball to hate on somebody and hate on a team when it's just like when, like, when people talk about you're gonna miss them when they're gone, you're gonna miss this? Yes. I know that's cliche, but you are. Y'all got to start learning to appreciate greatness. And I know that's part of the reason I I started doing, I stopped, like, 
I used to bet on games. You just heard me talk about it not too long ago. I was gambling on games and everything like that, betting on games, betting on players, doing parlays and stuff. And I took it all. I stopped doing that because I started noticing it made me slander a lot of more players because they're like, dang, I bet on you to do this. And it's uh, it stopped you from appreciating the game. It stopped you from, I don't want to do these comparisons. I don't want to hate on these people. I just want to appreciate good basketball. I just want to watch the game I love, appreciate good basketball, appreciate great players, and just, like like I said, I don't keep saying repeating it, just appreciate it. And I would recommend a lot of y'all take that same approach, appreciate greatness while you can. But going on to the other side, I was just talking about how crazy Brandon Ingram is. He had another crazy game where he had 38 points, 9 assists. CJ McCollum had 24-9. and Valentine. Uh, Excuse me, Valanciunas had 19 and 14, and even in this loss, this Pelicans team is still looking extremely, extremely scary. And I know they're trying to make this playoff push. They're still in the play-in tournament right now. They're at the 10 seed. I don't see Portland or San Antonio or Sacramento passing them up. I see them staying at 10 seed. If they can, if they can make some things happen, maybe Zion squeezes in at the end of the what's called regular season. The the Pelicans might make a playoff push. It might be battling Phoenix in the first round. Obviously, I'm still taking Phoenix because this team's too young. But I'm just saying it, it will be it will be crazy for the Pelicans to make a push like this at the end. Um, and then lastly, you know, actually, before we jump into these last two games, let's take a short break because y'all know what these two games we about to discuss are. And we are back to discuss the two craziest games that happened this weekend. First and foremost, LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James. Mama, there goes that man. That man went crazy. That man went crazy. He scored 56 against the number two team in the West. Mm, that man went crazy. And again, just like what I was talking about with the Jokic thing, where people were hating, bro, oh man, people were hated on LeBron's 56. I mean, yes, it's LeBron, so a lot of people have haters. Uh, he has a lot of haters. A lot of people don't respect LeBron. A lot of people don't like LeBron, but 
for him to go out there, have a 56-point um, game, 56 points, 10 rebounds, hit six threes. That man went crazy and not get appreciation. It's pretty I, – I don't understand. He went out there with a starting lineup of Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, Stanley Johnson, and Russ. Russ played well. He had 20. He had some nice moments throughout the game. But listen to the other names I named. I know Lakers fans are going to tell you Austin Reeves is the next great thing. They got to stop it because you know Laker bias, Taylor Hurt, Horton Tucker, all these players. If you play for the Lakers, you're automatically uh, just a great talent where you're going to go somewhere else and just you would dominate somewhere else, which is not true. We got to stop with that Laker bias. But LeBron took this team, went crazy against the Warriors, and especially at the end of the game, Oh my God! Those like when he was when he caught fire and was just hitting three after three through the contest, taking heat checks. Oh my God! I was I was watching that game with some of my homies in the party, and it was just we were going crazy. Of course, it, I was getting annoyed too because one of my homies was still hating on it. Like oh blah blah blah, he acting like a little b word. He's still flopping. He's still. Oh, after every play, he was still complaining about LeBron. Like, can somebody explain to me why LeBron is so hated? I still don't understand this. I asked every single LeBron hater I know. I asked them why they hate him, and they never give me a legitimate reason. They're like, oh, well, um, X, Y, and Z. Like, he, he's, I don't like the way he plays. What, what do you, what don't you like about him? You know, oh, well, he's a flopper. There's plenty of other floppers in the league. I've seen, and then I talk about some of the players they like. I'm like, you hate LeBron, but you like Chris Paul, but you say you don't like floppers. That doesn't make sense to me. And a lot of the stuff around LeBron with his flopping is because he doesn't get a lot of calls. You look at how many LeBron leads the NBA and drives to the basket and shots in the paint and everything like that, but he's not, he's like not even top five in foul calls. Like he's not in the top five free throws, so it's like that doesn't make sense. If I'm driving to the basket the most, you know people aren't just I'm not scoring every time. You know people aren't just stopping LeBron every time. So what's going on in the paint? Obviously I'm getting fouled, but it's kind of like the Shaq syndrome where it's like you're bigger and stronger than everybody, so they just be like, oh, he can fight through it. He'll be fine. Like you don't call those tap fouls that you give somebody else. Like if Steph goes to the lane and gets checked. He's not going to get the same. He's going to get a call. LeBron goes in there and gets checked the same exact way. He's not going to get that call, even though he's LeBron James, because he's expected to absorb that contact and still be able to fight through it. It's not fair, but that's just how it is. So what did he start doing? Unfortunately, he started flopping more earlier on in his career because he started seeing he wasn't getting those foul calls. So he's like, well, I'm going to get these calls one way or another. And he started flopping. Um, do I like it? No. Do I understand it? Yeah, it's kind of is what it is. I don't think that's enough reason to have the hate that people have for him against them. They use that argument. A lot of other people say like they don't like um that he runs away from the grind. He he just builds a team, he leads a team, and he leads another team, and he leads keeps team hopping. I'm like, I never understood that argument either because of an organization not doing what I need them to do. I'm out. If I was an NBA player, you wouldn't be seeing me sign max deals like those five-year super max deals. You'd be seeing me sign two-year, three-year contracts, even though it doesn't have the same stability because in case you got hurt or something, I know why they do it to secure their cash in case something happens. But 
I'm signing two year, three year deals because I need to know what the organization doing. If I sign here and after year one, I'll give you year one. You doing what you do? Okay, cool. Year two, if we still in the same situation as year one, I'm like, hold up. Why ain't we made no moves? What's going on? Year three, we still the same thing. Y'all like, oh, just give me some time. It's been three years. How much time do you need? I can't. I'm not about to sit here all day because if you're not because you're not being a competent organization, not being a competent GM, and you're not getting me what I need, you're not getting me what I need. But you expect me just to stay here? Nah, I'm out. I'm gonna go somewhere where they just take care of me. Right when they start taking care of me, we win a ship. Then things happen. I'm like, okay, well, what's next? Like, what do you mean, what's next? You got the championship, yeah. But what's next? Where we going from here? Okay, X, Y, and Z. If I don't like the way they moving, I'm like, all right. Well, just like a job, y'all got to remember, this is a job. Y'all don't stay at y'all's job all the time. Yeah, y'all, look at think about the job you're working right now. If another job just, like, there's, like, 10 minutes up the road offers you another 15K to come down there and they give you better benefits, you tell them you staying there, you staying loyal to the soil, you staying loyal to that job right there, you staying loyal to that company. No, you're not. You're not. You're not. Don't even sit here and lie. You're not. I know you're not. So what's the difference? Just because you're watching them play, it's entertainment. This is, but at the end of the day, it's still a job. It's a job. A job. That's what this is. It's a job. So we need to treat it like that. Now I don't want t- players hopping, hippie hopping, all these other things. Like there's different. Each situation is different. Context matters. Um, the Cleveland, him moving from Cleveland to Miami, no problem with that at all. No problem at all. We need to stop acting like Miami was a super team at that time. D-Wade and them weren't super te- Was Miami wasn't a super team before LeBron got there. We need to stop acting like that. Second of all, um, Cleveland had plenty of time. People try to say, oh, well, they brought in Mo Williams. They brought in uh, Larry Hughes. They brought in all these other players, Carlos Boozer, Shaq, all these other people. And I'm like, you brought on a couple wash players. You call, you brought in, a, I mean, the Larry Hughes thing, I can't really blame them for because Larry Hughes was hooping. And then when he got to Cleveland, it's like he forgot his, he lost all his powers. Uh, Mo Williams, he did make an all-star, but that was more because LeBron because they were a dominant team and he had solid numbers. You know, usually you get two all-stars in there. So it was more for more so for LeBron's kind of like the Kyle Corver all-star appearance. So I, I understand the Cleveland to Miami, the Miami back to Cleveland. I also understand because it was like, he saw uh D ways knee starting to give out. He saw it wasn't going to be the same. Chris Bosh started experiencing health too. check out where Chris Bosh and D Wade two, three years after LeBron left Miami. I'll wait. Look at that Heat roster. Tell me those players and where they were three years after LeBron left. I don't honest. I don't necessarily be like, you had to leave. You could have, because especially after you said you're not going to win five, not six, not seven. You could have, you, I mean, you did, you didn't do what you said you were coming there to do. However, Looking at the future and looking, context loses everything in history. Context doesn't matter in history. If you go there, y'all don't win anymore. Um, you see D-Wade start struggling with injuries. Chris Bosh, he starts struggling with health and everything. We know what happened with him with the blood clots and everything. And then everybody else, the rest of the roster not really doing anything. And nothing necessarily happens. And you don't win another chip. 
people aren't going to remember that in history. People aren't going to give you that benefit that be like, oh, well, this person was hurt, this person. Nobody cares about that. They're going to be like, he went to Miami to form a super team and only came out with two championships. That's what people are going to say. Like he only finished with two championships in the whole entire NBA history in his I mean NBA career, and that's the context they're gonna use. That's that's the narrative they're gonna run with. So I understand taking your career in your own hands, going down to uh, going back to Cleveland, getting another chip, then going to LA, getting another chip, because he's like I am trying to just win chips. I don't care what happens. I don't care what I have to do. I need to win me a chip, give me another Finals MVP add on to my legacy because in 30 years from now, nobody's going to care that I was going from team to team. Name me one person that has ever named that Shaq was team hopping. People forget that. Like Shaq was team hopping. Shaq was chasing a ring. And Shaq was one of those main people. Oh, well, people got to stay. Shaq played for 50 teams and there's only 30. How that makes sense? Let, let, that, let that be that way. Shaq team hopped. And nobody cares about that. Nobody cares about that. And, like, when you look back on it, nobody cares about that anymore. People talk about Shaq being one of the most dominant bigs of all time. Shaq walking away with four rings. And that's all anybody cares about. And that's all you should care about. Yeah, we got to stop being loyal to these organizations if they're not doing what they're supposed to. However, I say all this to say LeBron dropped 56. He went crazy. Uh, Steph Curry dropped 30. Uh, it was kind of odd because the Warriors, I mean, the Lakers, when they were going on that big run, Curry wasn't in the game. LeBron hit like back to back to back threes. He was dry. He was doing whatever he wanted. They were going crazy and Wardell wasn't nowhere to be found on that court. Uh, Steve Kerr had him on the bench and I get you on the rest of them. But the second you started seeing the Lakers cut your lead in half and start going crazy, you should have brought in Steph, especially when y'all were trying to run your offense through Klay Thompson, who played horrendous. He shot three for 13. Andrew Wiggins, since the All-Star break, is non-existent. He doesn't exist anymore. Kaminga played well this game, and in those minutes while Curry wasn't on the court right there in the fourth quarter, he was looking really good. However, I needed Steph to be on that court. If you see your player, your you see your offense struggling. You see Clay can't get an open shot. You see Wiggs not really doing it. And you see you can't really, you're not having nobody really score or do anything. Your offense is looking bad. And you have the Lakers getting hot and just going out on the other side and scoring and scoring and scoring. And you're not making any adjustment. I don't I don't know how I feel about that. That that didn't look good. That wasn't a good look for me at all. Um Especially, and it, like I said, once they got the lead, it should have been a wrap after that. They should have did, it should have did more. They should have called a timeout, brought Steph in, and tried to like weather the storm, but they didn't. They just tried to let it play out. Like I said, St- uh, Clay wasn't playing well. People got to stop slandering Clay, too. Like, I understand not playing well. You slander for not playing bad, but people. I don't understand. I don't know if this is the Warrior fan base all together or if these new fans or who these people are. People over here talking about Trey Clay. Trey Clay? Trey Clay? What are you talking about? Like, Trey Clay Clay untradeable. Y'all, y'all understand what this man done did for this franchise? He not. The Warriors are Steph Clay and Draymond. You're not trading them. That's your foundation. You're not trading them unless, like, it's the end of their career and you're trying to do right by them and be like, all right, well, we know you're not winning no more chips right here. 
you in year 17. You only got like two or three more years left. I know you can retire. You can. We're going to give you an out. We're going into a rebuild mode. You can either retire with us and just sit here through this rebuild mode, or you can. we can trade you to a contender to try to get you one more ring before we out. That's when you trade Clay. You don't trade Clay right now. It don't make Clay ain't played basketball in two years. What y'all expected from this man? Y'all want him come out here and drop forty, drop third average thirty a game, just going crazy after not playing for two years. Let that man work back in the. That's what I'm talking about with this recency stuff. People expect like people. People want things right now. People only care about what you've done recently. Like these, this bad little stretch just erases his entire like career and everything he's done for Golden State. It's like, bro, come on now, relax. Let this man find a rhythm. Let him find his groove. They got plenty of games. They got 20 games left. Let them let, let him find a rhythm for the next 20 games, and then we go from there. Y'all can make adjustments as is, but not talking about Trey Clay, bro. Y'all got to stop. Y'all got to stop right now. And then, uh, But last game we need to talk about is Brooklyn Nets, Jason Tatum. Whew. Didn't say Boston's up. Brooklyn Nets, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum went out there, and he was cooking. Jason, man, top two, not two. That's all I'm going to say. Man, I know I was just talking about that hype area. Jason Tatum is him. 54? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He went head-to-head, toe-for-toe, shot-for-shot with Durant. Durant Durant was heating up. Jason Tatum said, don't worry. Don't worry. I got He said, you good. I'm good, too. I'm him too, and it's crazy because you heard Durant talk about before the game that we got to stop Tay. Like he, he's a special talent. There's not really much you can, you can't really stop him. You can only really hope to contain him. Uh, Katie gave one of those uh, approaches and gave one of those answers when in, in regards to Tatum. Kyrie, they were talking about it, like, hey, we just got to stop Tatum. Like he going crazy. We got, we got to do something. And there really wasn't any stopping of Tatum. Katie came out. He had a great game, 37 points, just like you can't stop Tatum. You can't stop KD. Kyrie chipped in 19 points. He played well as well, um, but it was more just leaning towards KD. Uh, Seth really didn't bring in much. He shot him. He did. I guess he played his role. He didn't really shoot much this game. He only had eight. He didn't really, like I said, he didn't really shoot, but he was really efficient. On the other side, you had Jason Tatum go extremely just bonkers. Again, 54 points. Eight for fifteen from the three. This man pulling up. Anytime, anytime he got a switch on Kyrie, he basically attacked. He pulled up. He 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 attacked every single time he got a switch on Kyrie, which I love. He got a smaller defender on him, and he knows somebody that can check him, and he he attacked. I see a lot of people talking, and I know what they're trying to say. I know they're trying to push this narrative: KD versus Jason Taylor. No narrative there. But a lot of people were talking about how the same thing basically with the Giannis KD thing. You know, Jason Tatum, whether it was coaching, whether it was him stepping up to the challenge himself and saying, I want Jason Tatum was guarding Durant. Durant wasn't guarding Tatum. Jason Tatum was going out of his way to try to guard Durant. Obviously, switches happen. Obviously, broken plays happen. So he's not obviously can't guard him every single possession. But every possession he could guard him, Jason Tatum was right there trying to guard Durant. And like I said, whether a switch happened or whatever, he tried. Katie wasn't trying to guard Durant. I mean, uh, Tatum. I'm not going to be one of those people that push that narrative. I just want that to be known that 
We have to keep stay consistent. We did get on Giannis about not guarding Durant. We were like, we got this seven footer who's not guarding Durant, who's just going crazy. You're supposed to be the number one. You're supposed to be the best player on the team, and you can't guard him and everything. We said we saw KD trying to step up and play defense, but we're not seeing Giannis do it. We got to keep it. We got to keep it. We got to keep the narrative the same. We had Tatum right there. We had Durant right there. Durant wasn't guarding that man. But we're moving on from that. Jalen Brown also came in. He he hit man, he hit the biggest shot of the night, honestly. In the clutch situation, he basically put the game away with his three. He came right out with 21 points. Al Horford has been looking beautiful as that second big man. I know I don't like double big lineups, but Al Horford, his game, the way he plays, he does. He's not a big man that's just going to clog up the paint like Tice was. He can stretch the floor. He can facilitate. He can do other things. He's very versatile defensively, too, to where he can guard multiple positions. Not, excuse me, to like the greatest thing, but he can guard it well enough to have him on the court at that same time. Uh, we didn't really get much from the bench. But not much from the bench was needed when you have a when you have Tatum go for fifty four and Brown go for twenty one, you don't really need much from the bench. Um, this this was a unique game. I said coming into this game, I was tweeting about. It, I said this is going to be an important game. This is a good test to see where we stand defensively. Defensively, we looked we looked pretty good. I'm not gonna we looked good in the half court. We looked pretty solid. Tough players make tough shots, but we looked good in the half court. Um, offensively, this was complete. This was the games that we were going to need from Tatum, especially in the playoffs, especially on the playoff run, because most of our offense is getting we, – we want our offense to be ran by Mark Smart, obviously. We want most play make me done by him. But scoring-wise, we want Jason Tatum – we want Jalen Brown leading our offense. That's what we got today. So we're going to need these superstar performances if we want to make a deep playoff push this year. And it's just – they're showing that we're getting hot at the right time. We're showing we have that capability. And we've shown enough to be like, okay, we can be pretty consistent with it. But we still have 20 games left. I don't want to jump the gun and say X, Y, and Z. We're gonna, I just want to wait and see how this actually plays out. Um, I want to also touch on the Rob Williams effect. Man, Andre Drummond, there was so many times where, like, Tatum or Smart or whoever was driving to the basket, and Andre Drummond wanted to go drive in, I mean, wanted to step over and try to contest or block the shot, but he couldn't because he knew if he, the second he stepped over, a lot of the Rob Williams is going up. And... There was a bunch of times where we just got open layups because he didn't help. And then there was times where he did help, and they just threw it up to Rob, and Rob dunked it. And Rob is just in the right place at the right time. He was playing phenomenal defense, too, playing help side defense. And this was just – this team looks scary good. This team looks scary good. We're fifth in the East right now. We're tied with the Bulls for fourth, really. And if the Bulls lose their next game, we win our next game. Well, technically, we're a game and a half, or we're a game behind. But win-wise, we're we're tied. If we win our next, and they lose their next. We're gonna take that. We're gonna be the sole four seed. Uh, we're right behind Milwaukee. We look like I said, we win our next game. We're right there with Milwaukee. We're gonna, Milwaukee has forty wins. We have thirty-nine. Philly has thirty-nine wins. Chicago has thirty-nine wins. Boston has thirty-nine wins. It's just Boston has a couple more losses, and because we've played more games. 
if things spin the right way, we can become a top three seed in the East. And right now, it looks like I like where we're at right now, though. A Chicago-Boston game series, I feel confident in our chances. But anyways, guys, this has been another episode of the Ad Geeks Podcast. I rambled on longer than I thought I would this episode. It's a much longer episode than usual. Just enjoy that. I hope all y'all enjoy your week. Hopefully, this is a good episode to start off your wonderful week. Some of y'all are spring break. Some of y'all are working, so y'all don't know what spring break is anymore. But I hope y'all enjoy your Monday. Stay blessed. Always remember to respect women. But always remember to respect yourself. Because simping ain't pimping. And we out.